Tonight I want to teach on the cleansed conscience. This is the old worship and service hymnal that we used in Van Wert in my church. And of course, we have about 75 copies or maybe a 100 here at International, but never quite enough to go around. If we'd have had them tonight, there's a song in here I'd have had you to sing. This song that he just sang, Great Things God Has Taught Us, is truly wonderful. But this is the song that I would have had the whole congregation to sing. I'm going to read you the words. I stand amazed in the presence of Jesus the Nazarene and wonder how he could love me, a sinner condemned unclean. For me it was in the garden he prayed, not my will but thine. He had no tears for his own grief, but sweat drops of blood for mine. He took my sins and my sorrows. He made them his very own. He bore the burden to Calvary and suffered and died alone. When with the ransomed in glory, his face at last Shall I, his face I sh at last shall see. Twill be my joy through the ages to sing of his love for me. How marvelous, this is the refrain, how wonderful, and my song shall ever be. How marvelous, how wonderful is my Savior's love for me. And that in the light of the cleansed conscience, Very few people know what conscience is. They know they have one. It's like feet. Uh, but <laughs> they've really never, they've heard the word used almost all their life, but they really don't know what it is. I have yet to find a psychologist or a psychiatrist who knows what a conscience is. They've all got one, but nobody has ever really ferreted out to what it really is. And people, it's just so simple, that's why they missed it. Conscience is nothing but your habit pattern. That's all. That's all it is. When you were born, you started getting teaching. You were taught. And you believed what you were taught. You acted upon that belief. And that developed your conscience. Now, if you were taught a certain thing and then you acted contrary to that which was taught, then your conscience started to condemn you. So conscience, people, in its, all of its truth and its least common denominator is nothing but a habit pattern. In Romans chapter 2 is where I'd like to begin with you tonight. Romans chapter 2, verse 14. For when the Gentiles which have no law do by nature naturally the things contained in the law, these having not a law are a law what? Boy, that's real simple. Real simple. Maybe we ought to read 15, then I'll explain it to you. 
who showed the work of the law written in their inner man, their hearts inside of them, their conscience also bearing witness, and their thoughts, the mean, the conduct while accusing or excusing one another. For instance, people steal. Their conscience may not bother them. But if you would steal from them, they would know it was what? Stealing. <laughs> That's right. That's what verse 15 says. 14, rather. That by nature, they, the things of law, these having not the law, law in themselves, have no law, do by nature. If something is yours, honey, and you know it's yours, and somebody steals it from you, you know it's what? Stealing. Now, suppose you do that to somebody else. You may not think it's stealing, but that other person will know it's what? Stealing. Therefore, you know it too, because if they stole it from you, it'd be what? Stealing. If you steal from someone, you know it. That's... That's why every individual within himself knows, basically, because he has certain things that belong to him. Like this coat is mine tonight. If you stole it from me, I'd know it was stealing. See? Because it's mine. That's why there are people who steal from others in their own conscience, they may not know it's stealing, but the individual they're stealing from knows it. And if you would turn around and steal something from them, they would know it. That's why it's a habit pattern. And when you work this thing, it's going to be real interesting, and we're going to work it tonight. In Titus chapter 1, I was so excited about it this morning at 10.30, I couldn't wait, so I taught them a little. In Titus, Timothy Titus, chapter 1, in verse 15, Unto the pure all things are what? But unto them that are defiled and unbelieving is nothing pure. But even their mind and conscience is defiled. The word mind is understanding in the text. Under the pure, all things are what? Because they have purified their minds. They have taught, they have thought pure, honest, loving thoughts. Like in 1 Corinthians 13, it says that the love of God in the renewed mind thinketh no what? Man, what, what a concept. How many of us have gotten to the place in our life that we no longer think evil. So far, the only one I've met is Jesus Christ. But the love of God in the perfection of the renewed mind does not think evil. I've not comprehended, but I pretty well apprehended. For their whole days and periods of time go by, I think no evil of anyone or of any situation. Just think no evil. That's a pure, those under the pure, those who love God and purify their minds, under them all things are what? You see only, begin to see only the good in people, the potential in people. 
you see the great latent opportunities available to them. Under the pure, all things are pure. And people, it's just as easy, honestly, to think good of people as it is evil. Do you know that? But because of our training, our habit pattern, we have been taught always to look for evil and wrong in people. Under the pure, all things are what? Pure. But in contrast unto them that are defiled, who have not purified their minds, who have a different mental pattern, you understand? A different habit pattern in their mind. They're unbelieving. Nothing is what? Why? Because even their understanding and their conscience is what? Defiled. Every man has a conscience. Then a man could have a pure conscience and have what kind of a conscience? A defiled one. And the reason is given in verse 16. They profess that they know God. But by works, in works is the word by in the text, but by works they deny God. Being evil, abominable is the word evil, and disobedient, and unto every good work reprobate is the word worthless in the text. They profess they know God. Are they religious? Definitely. They profess it. But the Bible says their work, deny it. Because they're worthless and they're disobedient unto every good work they're worthless. They're evil. The cleansed conscience class is the renewed mind according to the word of God, which is the key to power. And it's the key to walking in life with a pure mind, a beautiful conscience. And that conscience is so cleansed by the Lord Jesus Christ, people, that there is even no consciousness of sin left in your life. What you did five years ago or twenty years ago, he washes out completely. There is no consciousness left of sin. How far we as Christians have lived below par. Because many people still have a consciousness of sin. And they live in condemnation. Even after they're born again of God's Spirit. When Romans 8, 1 declares so emphatically, there is therefore now no condemnation to them that are in Christ Jesus. In Hebrews chapter 9. Timothy Philemon Hebrews. Chapter 9. The children of Israel were instructed by God to build a tabernacle and, and then, of course, later on under was David, Solomon, wasn't it? They built the temple. Was, yeah, Solomon. The temple. Now, this record here in Hebrews 9 talks about this 
the very the first covenant, the word covenant is in italics, means they added it, but it is properly supplied. The word covenant means will. When a man makes his last will and testament, the word covenant is the word will. It's also the word testament. We have here an old and new what? Testament. An old and new covenant. An old and new will. When a man makes his last will and testament, it's a covenant that he makes. Now, the first will, the covenant, had also ordinances. See that word ordinances? It appears in verse 10 again. Tonight I want to give you something. I want you, if you have a pen and a paper, you may want to write it down. Because this word, ordinances, is translated a number of different ways. And you need this information. And if I were you, I'd put this word in my Bible like I've done in mine. So every time I read it, I don't have to check it. I know what it is. Wrote it in here someplace. I'll find it. Don't get excited. The word ordinances here in chapter 9 is the Greek word dikaionia, D-I-K-A-I-O-M-A. Dikaioma. That D-I-K-A-I-O-M-A. That's a long O. That word means requirements of the law. That's literally what that word means. Requirements of the law. It is used, this word is used at the following places in the New Testament. I'm going to give you all of them tonight. And how this word, dikaioma, is translated. Luke 1, 6, ordinances. Romans 1, 32, judgment. Romans 2, 26, righteousness. Romans 5, 16, justification. Romans 5, 18, righteousness. Romans 8, 4, Righteousness. Hebrews 9.1 that we just read. Ordinances. 9.10 ordinances. Revelation 15.4 judgments. Revelation 19.8 righteousness. It's used 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8. Ten times in the New Testament. This word, dikaioma, meaning requirements of the law. Now go back to Hebrews 9.1. Had also requirements of the law for divine service and the worldly sanctuary. The worldly sanctuary is the tabernacle, the temple. For, verse 2, there was a tabernacle made. 
the first wherein was the candlestick and the table and the showbread, which is called the sanctuary. And after that, the second veil of the temple or the tabernacle, which is called the holiest of what? All. Which had, verse 4, the golden censer and the ark of the covenant overlaid round about with gold, wherein was the golden pot that had manna, Aaron's rod that budded, and the tables of the covenant. And over it the cherubims of glory, shadowing the mercy seat of which we cannot now speak in detail. They had an entranceway, what I call a vestibule, a vestibule to the sanctuary. Then there was a curtain, a curtain across it, like this, a curtain all the way across it. And when the priest, the priest would come in, he would come in through this curtain into this part, which would, which was called the sanctuary. This part was called the sanctuary. Then there was a second curtain, like where those modern full doors are there. There was a second curtain there. And in behind that second curtain, they had those things mentioned in verse 4. And that part behind the second curtain was called the holies of holies, or the holiest of all. This part in here, class, was called what? The sanctuary. That part back there was called the holy of holies. Only the high priest, only the high priest, and that once a year on the Day of Atonement was allowed into the Holy of Holies. The rest of the service of the priest would take place in the sanctuary, but only the high priest could go into the Holy of Holies once a year and that on the Day of Atonement. Now, verse 6. When these things were ordained, the priests all went always into the first what? Tabernacle, which is called the sanctuary, accomplishing the service of God, or first the services for God. But, verse 7, into the second went the high priest alone, once every year, not without blood, which he offered what? For, first of all, himself, and secondly, for the sins. The word errors is the word sins of the people. Verse 8. The Holy, the Spirit, this signifying that the way into the holiest of all was not yet manifest was not yet declared, shown forth. While the first tabernacle was standing. Verse 9. Which was a figure for the present time. You got in King James, which was a figure for the time then present. Very colloquial. The 
the accuracy will make more sense to you if you read it, and that is the truth, which was a figure for the present time. Because Christ had not yet come, people, in which were offered both gifts and what? Sacrifices. I'm in verse 9, reading what the Word says, just as plain as day. That could not make him that did the service perfect. That could not make him who did the serving of God what? Perfect. The high priest was the only one who was allowed into the Holy of Holies, and yet all that he did by bringing the blood in and everything else, it still could not make that high priest what? Perfect. Perfect. And the word perfect is the word complete. Remind you Colossians 2. Remember verse 10, isn't it? And we are what? Completely, completely, complete in him, in Christ Jesus. But the high priest going through all of that could not even be perfect. He could not be completely, completely, complete. As pertaining to what? The conscience. For that had not yet been made available, which could cleanse the conscience to purify it, so there would e- there would just no longer be any sense of guilt or shame or fear or frustration or condemnation or anything. He had not yet come. So with everything that ho- high priest did, and that which all the rest of the priests did between the first veil and the second veil, it still could not make the people perfect, nor the people serving could not be perfect. Verse 10. These things stood only in what? Meats, drinks, many divers washings, which is various types of cleansing, and carnal ordinances, requirements of the law. Carnal. Carnal is fleshly ordinances imposed until the time of what? Boy, isn't that plain? All of these things were to carry on until some certain time. And that time here is called the Reformation. It's not what Martin Luther started long before Martin. Jesus Christ. Now, verse 11. But Christ, being come and high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, which is his own body, not made with hands, that is to say, not of his what? Own building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood, by the giving of his life. People, Jesus Christ laid down his life. Nobody took it from him. 
It wasn't the nails driven through his hands or through his feet that killed him. Because he had 72,000 legions of angels at, or 72,000 angels at his command. Jesus Christ died upon that cross. He gave his blood because he so loved. God so loved, he gave his only begotten son. Jesus Christ so loved that he gave his life. They didn't take it for him, from him. Not by the blood of goats, calves, but his own what? Blood. His own life. He entered into what? Once. He entered in once. Into the holy of holies. The holy place. He entered in how many times? Once. 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 How many times did the high priest enter? Once every year. That's right. Jesus Christ entered in what? Once. Having obtained eternal forever throughout all time redemption completeness for us. Boy, what a word. Glory. He entered in how many times? That's what it says. That's what it means. Then please tell me, how can you still have an altar in a church today? If he entered in just once, that's the end of the altar. Right. If the word of God's right. And ladies and gentlemen, if this is wrong, we have no eternal life and we have no Savior. And yet most of the, so many of the churches today, the buildings even themselves, still have an altar. People come to the altar. And they always have three steps up. God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Ghost to get you there. People, they're wrong on every count if the word's right. Either Jesus Christ entered in once and for all, or he didn't. He did it once and for all people, or he's a liar. And God's word's a liar. We in the way ministry believe what the word says. We believe he entered in once and for all. That there is no more sacrifice for sin. No more atonement. We don't have to burn candles or come to an altar because he burned his candle at both ends for us or something. No more candles to burn. No more life to give because he gave his life for he was God's only begotten son, people. Won't we ever believe God's word again? Oh, Lordy. Look at verse 13. Bless your heart. You're wonderful. For, for, if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified fire to the purifying of the flesh, how much what? More. How much what? More. More, more, more. Shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal Spirit, God, offered himself, Jesus Christ offered himself without spot to God. The Passover lamb 
had to be without spot and blemish, remember? Jesus Christ was the Passover lamb without spot and without blemish. He always did the will of the Father. I and my Father are one. He never crossed him. He always carried out the will of the Father, even to his death, sir. He was still doing the will of God. Without spot. Boy. Purge. The word purge is the word cleanse perfectly. Your conscience. Blend, cleanse what? Your conscience. Your conscience. From dead works to serve whom? The living God. Not the dead one. To serve the living God. Cleansed conscience. How do you do it? Very simple. He who knew no sin became sin so we might become what? The righteousness of God in him. He took upon himself our sicknesses and our sins. That by his stripes we might be what? People. He became our complete Savior. He died so that we might live a life that's more than abundant and be more than conquerors in him, people. Even having the conscience cleansed, purged, cleansed from dead works, dead works to serve the living what? And the way you get your conscience cleansed is by believing up here in your head, in your mind, what God, by His Spirit in Christ, wrought within you when you were born again of God's Spirit. The Christ in you, the hope of glory, and all the principles of Jesus Christ transferred to your mind gives you a pure conscience where you think no evil, pure things only. That's the cleansed conscience. A conscience that no longer needs to live in condemnation, in fear or frustration. For there is no condemnation to them that are aware. Because Jesus Christ made available the cleansed, the purified, purged conscience. And that is by the renewing of your mind according to the integrity and accuracy of the revealed word. Oh, my. Look at verse 28. <laughs> it's really something. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of what? And unto him, unto them that look for him, shall he appear the second time he's coming back without sin, unto salvation, unto wholeness, that at the return of Christ, everyone that changed and those that rise shall be made completely, completely whole. He was offered how many times? And yet in our altars today, he's offered daily. Something wrong, either God's word, sir, or people's actions. And ladies and gentlemen, it isn't God and his word, it's people. In chapter 10 of Hebrews here, look at verse 2. 
Well, look, start with, for the law having a shadow of good things to come and not the very, the exact reality of the things can never with those sacrifice which they offered year by year continually make the comers thereunto what? Perfect. For then would they not have ceased to be offered because that the worshipers were purged, cleansed, should have no more consciousness of what? But you see, they could not get that no more consciousness of sins by the blood of bulls and goats. It took the only begotten Son, Jesus Christ, the perfect man walking as the wonderful Son of God to be able to pay the price that you and I could live with a cleansed conscience and no condemnation. Boy, what, what, what a revelation, what a ministry. How great and wonderful Christianity really is. Look at verse 22 of this 10th chapter. We have, well, boy, oh boy, I love to read you the whole book. How about verse 19? Well, 18. (laughs) There is no longer any offering for what? Sin. Having therefore, brethren, boldness, boldness, you got it, baby, boldness to enter into the holiest of what? Holies. By the blood of what? Christ, right? Holy of holies. You have boldness, boldness, boldness. Man, oh man. Lost my place. Verse 19, boldness. To enter in the holiest by the blood of whom? By a new and living what? Which he hath prepared, consecrated. He prepared for us through the veil. Through the veil. By his blood. And having an high priest over the house of God. Let us draw near with a true heart. In full assurance of believing having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience. Having our hearts sprinkled from an evil conscience because we have put on the mind of Christ. Our habit pattern is the pattern of the Word. And our bodies washed with what? Pure water. My, oh my. Matthew, please. Keep your finger in Hebrews. I'm coming back. 27. Matthew 27. Isn't it a wonderful joy to study the Word and see the greatness of that Word? Matthew 27. Verse 50. Jesus, you all have it? Matthew twenty-seven fifty. Jesus, when he had cried again with a loud voice, yielded up the ghost, gave up his life, yield up the spirit. Now look at verse 51. And behold, the veil of the temple was rent in twain from top to what? The bottom. 
When Jesus Christ died, class, at that moment, when Jesus Christ cried with that loud voice, it is what? Finished. He gave his life. He gave his life. And at that moment, behold, behold, the veil in the temple was rent in what? Was it this veil? No, the veil that separated the holy of holies from the holy place. The veil in the temple at the time of his death was rent from top to bottom. Whenever men rent anything, they rent it from the bottom up. God rent the veil of the temple from the top to the bottom. Meaning that every individual being in the sanctuary had equal rights into the Holy of Holies, right up to God's throne. Oh, people, what a word, what a word. And how far we've lived below par. Because people talk us out of the truth of the word. It said in Hebrews 10, Having therefore, brethren, what? Boldness, boldness, boldness. To enter into that holy of holies. You'll never feel like entering into it. It doesn't say feeling. It just said go in boldly. Hasn't got a blessed thing to do with your feelings. For none of us ever feel good enough to even get saved. That's right. We never feel worthy of the ministry of the life we have. The blessings of God upon our lives. You know that. We, I don't feel worthy. That's right. So you don't go by your feelings, you go by the Word. Feelings come and go, but the Word of God liveth and abideth forever. And we are what the Word of God says we are. We have what the Word of God says we have, and we'll be what the Word of God says we'll be. And He tore the veil. God tore the veil, separating the holy of holies from the holy place so that we could walk with a cleansed conscience right into that holy of holies and with boldness come to our heavenly Father. What a word. If you have a loving, real loving heavenly Father, earthly Father, and you love Him and He loves you, can you come with a little boldness to him and say, Daddy, I've got a need? Does he kick you in the teeth? Hit you over that? No, he comes in and he says, he says, Son, everything I have's yours. They call it the prodigal son. Read it again sometime. He complained about his brother getting all this stuff and God and father said, Well, I don't know what you complain about. Everything here at home is all yours. It's all ours. All ours. By a new and living way. Boy. Having our conscience sprinkled with the blood of Jesus Christ and the purity of His divine perfection. Verse 23. Let us hold fast don't let anybody talk you out of it. You hold fast the profession of faith. The word faith is the word hope in every text. Hold fast the profession of faith, of hope, 
Hope what? The return of Christ. We have a cleansed conscience now in Him, but we have the hope of the return when we will be in all perfection as He is, for we shall see Him as He is. Isn't that wonderful? Boy, without what? Wavering. Without wavering. Without wavering. Just stay put. You know that you know that you know that you know. That settles it. That you know that you know. Without wavering. You can doubt anything in the world, but never doubt God's Word. Without wavering. I think it's Shed who says, Small minds discuss people. The average mind discuss events. The third category I rework to say, Great minds discuss the Word. That's right. Small minds are always criticizing, finding fault with people. The average mind will talk about events. But great minds will have to talk about the Word and what God wrought in Christ Jesus. It says in verse 23, For he is faithful who what? Promised. He is faithful. And let us consider one another and provoke. That means encourage, push on unto love. And the good works, good works, that's renewed mind, cleansed conscience, putting on the mind of Christ, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as the manner of some is, but exhorting, encouraging toward a more worthy endeavor. And so much the more, as ye see the day approaching, what day? The return of what? That's the hope, people, that's the hope. Well, bless your heart. One more verse of Scripture and you can go home. X 27, 24. Oh, this stuff is just so dynamic, people. Acts 24. This is the record of the Apostle Paul. He says in verse 14 of 24, but this I confess unto you, that after the way which they call what? So worship I the God of my fathers. Quite a record. And in verse 16 he states, he talks in 15 about the hope, the resurrection, 16, and herein do I exercise myself. The word exercise is practice. To have always a conscience free of offense, free of stumbling. Offense is stumbling. Having a conscience free of stumbling toward God and what? Men. He practices. He practiced. How do you ever get to be a great athlete? Practice. How do you get to be a great athlete of God or a great athlete of the Spirit? By what? Practicing what? The presence of God. By practicing the Word, putting on the mind of Christ. To have a conscience free, a conscience free of stumbling. Free of stumbling toward hope. 
God. Because the conscience is a habit pattern. And the habit pattern is formed by what you send to your mind. What you put on in your mind. And having that conscience void of stumbling toward God, you will also have the purity of mind toward other men. That's the verse. That's a cleansed conscience that belongs to every born-again believer. That you no longer are full of fear or worry or anxiety or frustration. You no longer live in condemnation. It's a cleansed conscience with what Jesus Christ wrought. And the only way you can ever really live with yourself is to live with God and his word because that's the only way you'll have a cleansed conscience. Otherwise, you'll always live in condemnation and far below par. And God did not make his people to live below par. He made them to be super conquerors more than what? People, that's the word on the cleansed conscience. Father, I thank you. Oh, Lord, I'm just so grateful for you allowing me to teach the greatness of your word to the people who have the great heart to love you and to love that word. Thank you for our ministry around the world tonight and all of our beautiful leaves on that wonderful tree of life. And, Father, may the greatness of your word have regnancy and live in my lifetime, to bless your people around the world in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.